Welcome to episode 101, a 34-part episode on Catholicism 101, the foundations of our Catholic faith. These episodes originally premiered on YouTube. You can find the original video linked in the description to this episode, as well as a discussion guide for your benefit and whoever you might be listening with. A friendly reminder and invitation to please, if you have not yet done so, please rate and review this podcast. It helps other people find it. It's such a great way to get this podcast out there and for you to share it with others. But remember, the highest compliment you could pay this podcast and myself is to share this episode or any episode on social media. And you can do that by simply posting it on your story or tagging us in a post. At Mana Food for Thought is our Instagram handle. At Mana F4T is our Twitter and our Facebook page is just Mana Food for Thought. You can find all of that on our website, manafoodforthought.com, as well as all of our previous content. And if you'd like to become a financial sponsor for as little as $1 a month, you can do that by clicking on the Patreon tab on our website. If you have not yet done so, I really want to invite you to check out our friends at Thrive Coffee. It's Coffee with a Mission. Their website is drinkthrive.org, and they are a nonprofit craft coffee roaster in Richmond, Virginia. They use coffee to create careers and training opportunities for individuals with disabilities. Uh, they ship nationwide. Their beans are locally roasted in small batches. They make blends, and three bags sold pays for one hour of work for their differently abled employees. So go to drinkthrive.org, buy a few bags, and if you use promo code MANA, M-A-N-N-A, at checkout, you will get 15% off your first order. With that being said, enjoy the next installment in episode 101, a 34-part episode on Catholicism 101. Enjoy. God'll get you. I don't know if my father said that to me one time or a hundred times growing up, but it is ingrained in my mind as the first understanding and depiction that I ever had of God. God was an angry judge in the sky waiting for me to mess up. And so I didn't really want to have a relationship with him. And I find that's a pretty common image of God. Why would we want to have faith or trust in an image like that? In our previous episodes, we've talked about how we have this built-in desire for more and that it points beyond our physical reality. And if we look around, we can tell that beyond our physical reality, there is a creator, a God who has initiated relationship with us, that we can respond in relationship through our prayer. But the question then is posed, what does that relationship look like? How do we approach and understand what it's like to have a relationship with the creator of the universe, especially one that we cannot necessarily see? And I think we explain this away by focusing on Jesus. You know, we have the God of the Old Testament, who's the angry, judgmental one who's throwing down plagues. And then we have Jesus, who's the hippie who loves everybody. And that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, we treat the Old Testament God like he's Zeus or something. But no, Jesus says in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you know me, then you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. He says elsewhere that the Father and I are one. And later on, he extends this to the whole Trinity when he promises the Holy Spirit will come. He doesn't say the Spirit will come to you. He says, I will come to you. That the Father, Son, and the Spirit, though different persons, are the same God with the same nature. That the Trinity is not the angry Zeus, the hippie teacher, and the bird. No, 
The Trinity is love itself. God the Father, Son, and Spirit. One God, three persons. And all of those times in the Old Testament where we have maybe the angry God, which in reality it was a angry and warlike people who were writing about God. But we, those episodes are vastly outweighed by the amount of times God is explained as compassionate, faithful, merciful, and loving. I sometimes think that we trust the garbage man more than we trust God. Because reconciling that image of God is difficult, and we can't see God, and so we kind of just pass that aside, and we say like, oh yeah, God, I believe in you, I'll go through the motions, but do I really trust in God? Well, we trust the garbage man, we trust that every day, or however often, he's going to empty the garbage, and we don't give it a second thought. You know, I don't wake up in the morning and think like, oh my gosh, is the garbage man coming today? Like, my whole day is going to be derailed if he doesn't come. What's going to happen? The only time I do think about it is when, when he doesn't come, right? And that's the same thing with God, isn't it? We only think about God sometimes when we feel like he's not showing up, when he's disappointed us, or when we asked him to do one thing and he didn't, and yet we forget all of the other times he has been faithful, that he has provided, and that he has loved us. How do we trust God? And how do we move beyond that to actually relying on him and having faith? You know, I might trust that the garbage man's going to show up, but I don't rely on him. You know, I don't say like, oh, by the way, could you come watch my kids? I got to run some errands. I'm really relying on you today. Like, no, that's, that doesn't extend that far. That takes real faith. And any relationship without trust and faith is doomed to fail. You know, if I just had the sense that my wife, I'm going to trust she's always going to be around, but I wasn't really relying on her and she wasn't really relying on me and there was no extension of trust or faithfulness to one another, that would be a really bad relationship. But we, we know that we have a perfect partner in God, that he is always reliable, always trustworthy, and always faithful. The problem is that when we approach God in prayer, we complicate it because we try and hold on to control. Now, if you don't think you do this, wait a minute, because I think we're all guilty of this. Have you ever, in your life, prayed for the same thing over and over and over again? Why? Why do we feel compelled to pray for the same thing over and over again? Are we trying to remind God or persuade him? Is God up there like, oh man, yeah, I forgot you said that yesterday. I just got so much on my plate and I really don't know what I'm doing up here. Like he's some bumbling idiot in the sky that we constantly have to remind, hey, did you get around to this yet? Did you get around to this yet? That's approaching God kind of like we would approach Zeus in Greek mythology, constantly begging for his wrath to be appeased or to earn his favor or to gain his blessing. But that is not our God, the one true God. That God is unchanging. Prayer, remember, it does not change God or convince him to do things he wouldn't already do for our greatest good. Prayer changes us. It allows our hearts to be more open to praise. It allows us to practice the disciplines of faithfulness in bringing things to his feet and trusting that his goodness will prevail. It allows us to have and ask for eyes that will see what he is working on, and be open to whatever it is, whatever path it may lead us down. That we will have faith that wherever he lead us, leads us, it will be good, or that he will bring good from it. These are difficult things to do. They're unpopular things to do also, because we live in a world that basically teaches us to trust no one, always look for danger everywhere, uh, be your own authority. Don't be convinced by anything. Uh, you can come up with what's true for you. What's true for someone else doesn't need to be true for you. And don't conform or blindly obey any authority. And yeah, we shouldn't blindly obey. 
But that doesn't mean that obedience isn't good, and it doesn't mean that faith is not necessary, and that we can trust in God. But how? How do we have that kind of faith? Well, I think we have to recognize what faith is and what it is not. And so I offer you these five things about faith. Number one, faith is not without reason. If you think it is, go back and watch episode two on the Creator, or even episode one, that we recognize within us there's this reality for more that extends beyond us, that we desire perfect love, belonging, truth, goodness, and beauty. And that we look around and we look for evidence of what that is. We see evidence of a Creator. This is encapsulated beautifully in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, where it says, Faith is the realization of what is hoped for and evidence of things not seen. We realize that inner hope we have, we can have faith that it is there because we see evidence around us of things that are unseen and beyond our reality. So faith is not without reason. Secondly, faith is a gift from God. God is the initiator. Remember episode three, he self-identifies. He gives us his name because he wants to be in relationship with us. Why? Why does he do that? Why do we have that gift and what do we do with it? Well, we learn from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 through 9, that the goal of your faith is the salvation of your souls. That God wants you to be saved and you cannot do that on your own. You can't earn God's love or lose it. That he freely offers that to you as a gift. Thirdly, faith is a free, conscious, and human act. This is not blind, passive, or an action for the psychologically weak to gain comfort because they can't deal with their problems, and so they come up with this imaginary God to make them feel better. No, faith involves our entire being. And having faith in someone in a relationship doesn't mean that things are always going to feel great. This idea that God always wants you to be happy and will always make you happy in life is simply not true. Because anyone who's been married, even in a fruitful, great relationship at any point in their life, knows that there's beauty in the difficult and struggling moments of that relationship, that you grow through them and from them. And the same is true of our relationship with God in the ways that we are called to have faith. But it is not without our intellect, and that it requires our freedom, not just blind acceptance and obedience. Fourthly, faith cannot happen on our own. The Catechism in paragraph 166 says that faith is a personal act, the free response of the human person to the initiative of God who reveals himself. But faith is not an isolated act. No one can believe alone, just as no one can live alone. And it goes on to say, you have not given yourself faith as you have not given yourself life. The believer has received faith from others and should hand it on to others. Our love for Jesus and for our neighbor impels us to speak to others about our faith. Each believer is thus a link in the great chain of believers. I cannot believe without being carried by the faith of others, and my faith, by my faith I help support others in the faith. There is no such thing as a private relationship with God. Personal, yes, we should have a personal relationship, but our personal relationship is our unique experience and expression of a communal reality, that God calls us together as a family, a human family adopted sons and daughters to the Father through our baptism. That it is not meant to be an isolated act behind closed doors where no one can see, but it's meant to inform and support others in all of our relationships and to recognize and celebrate those who've given us the gift of faith. And that moves into our final thing about faith, that faith allows us to come to God 
as our Father. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, this is how you are to pray, our Father who art in heaven. We pray that at every Mass. And St. Teresa of Avila would recount the fact that sometimes she could not even get through those first two words without falling into a state of mystical ecstasy. The fact that God would be ours, that we would have this communal ownership of him, a personal and yet social one, and that he would be willing for us to call him Father, Abba, Daddy. We've talked about that before. You know, I don't know what your relationship with your earthly father is like. But if it is good, then praise God. If it isn't, at least maybe you recognize that it falls short of a certain standard. That God is the highest of that standard. He's the perfect father. And no earthly father, no matter how good they are, is perfect. I'm certainly not perfect. One of the most heartbreaking admissions of my life lately is the acknowledgement that I am going to mess up my kids. I will mess up. But in becoming a dad, I was actually finally able to let go of that angry image of God from my childhood and see God as he truly is. God isn't out to get me. But every time I look at my children with love, I see a glimmer of how God looks at me. When I'm stuck in my sin, I realize that God sees me like I see my children when I change their diapers. I just want them to be clean because I love them. I'm not mad that they did that. It's part of their nature. God's not mad and angry at me when I sin. He just wants me to be clean and he doesn't like that I've been soiled by my sin. When my daughter falls and hurts herself, I feel the heartbreak, a glimmer of the heartbreak that God feels at the suffering of his children. And when my daughter Hannah was five days old and we had to call 911 because she was unresponsive and we didn't know why, and then spent five days in the hospital watching a five-day-old baby in a gurney on CT scan tables crumpled up in a little ball to get spinal taps done to her, I felt a big sliver of what God the Father probably felt seeing his own son Jesus on the cross. That is a God that I can have faith in. A God who understands my human emotions and frailty so much because he came and lived a human life. A father in heaven who loves his children so much that no matter what they put him through, he will always bring resurrection out of the darkness and suffering. A God who loves you so much that he would rather die than spend eternity without you. I can trust, rely on, and obey that God of compassion, love, and mercy. I can have faith in that God. Can you?